Okay. Are you ready? Yep. I'm Amy Tanya Zhao, a Chinese living in America. You want me to call you Amy, or do you want me to call you Tianyi? And I'm Meg, an American who is about to marry into a Chinese family. It allows people to have an eye into who we are as people and how we find our own identity in the world. We're the hosts of The Spark, a podcast that explores what it means to traverse between cultures and shares stories that intersect Chinese and American culture to interrupt cultural barriers and create connections. I stayed home. Yeah. It you- made a difference. Do you feel like you were making a trade-off? I feel like I was making the better choice. There's no way I could do my job and then sufficiently take care of my kids and be there for my kids. I didn't want to have them in daycare all day. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, some people have to do that. I was fortunate that Dad and I didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of the Motherhood series started with the Mother's Day. And it was supposed to be one episode just because I was obsessed with um, the whole Hermes thing. And then I, I just worked out for some reason. And then, well, for a very good reason, because Dr. Martin is a great person that replied to my DM. <laughs> but it's really funny because I wasn't anticipating that the series can go for this long. Yeah, and I didn't know how to start it and to end it, but it turned out that it it ended up being a very informative and such a gentle series, where yeah. we got to talk to so many, so many different personalities and characters, and there are mothers. But I think the topic that we have covered have expanded, and it's it's so extensive to the degree that it contains so many different aspects of lives, and you know the women. Series that we did way back, and also just about ourselves and how to deal with life choices. And I think all these amazing women have demonstrated what it means to be, like Jenny said, you know, what it means to be a mom, what it means、yeah. to be a woman, a, a, a human. At、mm-hmm. the end of the day. So yeah, so this the last episode. Actually, we decided to talk to our own mothers. Um, our mothers are not here because my, you know, language barriers, and also it's just going to be a conversation between me and Meg, and we talk to our moms. And for me, actually, I talk to my mom and dad, and、yeah. asking them about a series of questions, and then we are just here to divulge in that conversation and see what we have learned from the same questions、um, that we've asked. To our mo- mothers, respectfully. Well, we're ending this this season in talking to our own mothers, which is by far, are by far the most personal guests we've ever had on the Spark.、Yeah. I think that's as personal as it gets.、Um, and I, in that conversation with my own mom, I was reflecting a lot on the different topics and ideas that we explored with our previous. Um, three guests, and it's been really interesting, especially our conversation with Dr. Martin too. Yeah,、Just、a lot of what we talked about with her came up in my conversation with my mom. Really? Yeah, and in a way that it wasn't like she was consciously talking about it because she knew about it. It was more it came up because there were a lot of things where my mom was in these situations and scenarios. That Wednesday was talking about 
you know, and, and what happens in America. especially. So my mom, she definitely, she always tells me like, not, not just in, in these, um, in this situation, but in other situations, you know, like she's definitely a very outgoing extroverted person, but she's also very, uh, introverted at the exact same time. Like she'll tell you she hates small talk and she hates, you know, like she doesn't like cocktail parties or dinner parties or things like that, where you have to stand there and kind of be like, Oh, you know? And yeah. Um, but once, so it started out where we were just, I was like, Hey mom, welcome to my podcast. You know, (laughs) you'll hear hear it in the recording. We can leave that in there for you guys. (laughs) Oh my God. You have a recording. Yeah, oh, that's well, great. I recorded that part like, hey, mom, welcome to my podcast. So we'll oh, just I'm get started. Edit the beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of how it started. And then I did not tell her what questions I was going to ask her before yeah. because I didn't want her to overthink it. I wanted to get her, her take, um, right after, you know, her initial take on mm-hmm. what I asked her. Um, And it was interesting because a lot of the things that she did share, I did kind of know bits Mm. and pieces of, or I knew how she would explain certain things or what she would say when I asked her certain things sometimes. Um, But also some of those things came up and then I remembered like, Hey, I did know that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I did write down some of the things that I felt echoed our conversation with um, Dr. Martin in the sense that for example, my mom, um, in raising us just to give everybody a little bit of background, I have three younger sisters. I did mention this in my conversation with my mom. Um, I have three younger sisters and there's four of us total. And my mom took, she is a teacher and she took time off from teaching, um, to raise us basically. Oh, wow. Um, for 14 years, I believe 14 years. Yeah. Because there's eight years in between, let me see eight years in between my, me and my youngest sister. Um, but then my youngest, I think she waited until, uh, until my youngest sister, I think was in first or second grade to go back and start teaching again. Wow. But what came up was the concept of false choice, um, Mm. in that. And I did ask her, you know, I, I brought up what we talked about with Dr. Martin and that, that idea of the false choice that I said, you know, did you, did you feel, I asked her if she felt like she was, um, she had to make a trade-off between Mm. her career and between us. And she said, she didn't feel like she was making a trade-off. She simply responded with, she felt like it was a better choice that she made. But what's interesting is that like, what, like, why is it always something that came into my mind is why is it always the woman that has to make the choice? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously. And she, my parents had a personal preference. If somebody was going to be staying home with us and watching us. They wanted it to be somebody that they absolutely know and trust of course. or no one at all, even if that means one of them. Um, but my mom also shared this experience about, um, basically she was considering going back to teaching after she had me. I think she even yeah. tried it a little bit, but 
they offered her a part-time position, which wasn't really part-time and she didn't feel like she could totally do it, which I feel like was a prime example of a false choice, you know? And did you mention that concept to her? And yeah, I, I did. And in fact, when she brought that part up about the part-time position, um, that's when that was right after I, I talked about, I introduced the concept of false choice. Um, yeah, but you know, so there's that, that side of things. The other side of things is she also in conversation brought up that they didn't have any help to which I then introduced what we talked about in Diana's episode when we were talking about how it's almost unheard of to not have help. Yeah other countries like in Diana's situation in Singapore, it'd be weird to not have help. So, um, and I, I brought that up to my mom and I said, you know, do you feel like, I mean, do you feel like part of it is because you truly didn't have help? And then maybe the other part of it also though, is the culture that exists in this country. And she totally agreed Mm -hmm. because there's that idea that also Dr. Martin talked about of, intensive motherhood. We have to do it all and do it all alone, even though it's not a job that's meant to be done alone. Yeah. Um, so it was all very interesting, but yeah, that's kind of a little overview. And of course, everybody will hear it, um, in this episode, um, when we do have those interviews, um, pieced together in this, but yeah, it was an interesting conversation. I will say the one thing that I loved too in the conversation is when I asked her what it was like being my mom. Yeah. It was cool because I feel like I got to learn about a side of myself that I didn't know about in the sense. What, which one? Or like, <laughs> so she told me when I was younger, she said, which I, I guess I know these things about myself, but you know, you don't really know them about yourself until you're they're brought to your attention. But she said that I always loved to learn. And that was, I really loved learning. I really liked to achieve things. I was like a, I was an early talker and I really wanted to walk too (laughs) early. Wow. Um, and she said, I was also very quiet and calm Mm. and it was just cool to hear that from my mom, like her observations about me before I even was able to observe myself. Yeah. So, yeah. That is so interesting. Do you think that your mom recognized how much work that she has done? Or do you think that's a concept that you believe in, but she still believes that's a part of what she's supposed to do? Oh, I definitely think she still believes the work that she has done is what she's supposed to do. 100%. Mm -hmm. I mean, she even says too, towards the beginning of the conversation about how, um, she put us, her kids above her and above Mm -hmm. even my dad too, which I totally understand. I know exactly where that's coming from for her. I mean, she just wants to make sure that we're all taken care of because then she can feel at ease at the end of the day. Um, but at the same time, it goes back to, you know, what we've explored before. It's almost like motherhood is this sacrificial crusade where there's supposed to be nothing left of you at the end of the day, but everything left of everybody else, but you. And I just don't, yeah. And I just don't know if that's, if that's the best way and no criticism to my mom at all, but of course, you know, I, I think it, I think there's something to be said for filling your cup before you fill others. 
because you can't definitely. really pour from an empty cup. No, so. definitely. And I, I found it interesting because it's not hard to understand why people do not want kids after listening to conversations yeah. like this. You know, it's like your mom appeared as a, as a, to me, as someone who survived a motherhood. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, why would you ever want to put yourself in that kind of situation if you have a choice? But again, like great for her, you know, a great woman who managed to do it. But like, I, I, I can also see things from the other side that it scared a lot of people off. Right. And that is so interesting because I, my mom, my conversation with my mom was also when my dad was at present. And yeah, I tell me about that. Yeah, I did not record it because it just took place in a very casual setting. And I just started throwing questions at them. Mm -hmm. It's not as intensive as I thought it would be. Um, Also, because I'm the only child. So there's that. And my parents had me when they were rather late, like older. Yeah. Um, So I think that guaranteed a lot of, uh, resources and also you already have you you establish yourself as like an adult so it sounds like a very natural next stage of life for them instead of a choice it's more so like okay i graduated from college i had a job uh that i did pretty well and now it's about time to have kids it's you know it sounds natural right and then um for my and then when i asked my mom you know, how just, just what is it like? What was the question? Do you always know that you wanted to be a mother? Mm. My mom's uh, response was, you know, it's a natural step of being a woman. Uh, I just feel like it makes sense at that point. I didn't think too much. And Mm. um, it's my mom think it's a, it's like an animal. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's part of the human nature to sustain your genes that's yeah. kind of how she sees it. And she's like, oh, it's not about that much of a sacrifice when I'm already uh, pretty comfortable with my existence and living. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just just I'm a mom. But then for my dad, though, it was so interesting that he's there because yeah. I felt that was what made made the conversation so meaningful in the sense that my dad sees being a father as the pinnacle of being a human being it's like as a person maybe not a pinnacle maybe that's not the right word but it's how as a as a responsible individual how can you prove to the world that you are capable of taking the most amount of responsibility and for him it's being a father so good for him because a good man you know, you know, you want to end up with a man who's like that, right? But yeah. at the same time, it's very, it's like having a job is not enough. Proving to everyone else is not enough. You have to also be a father. Right. And that process took place. Um, so being a father is like him showing to himself and also to other people that he can do it. It's like adding more things to my play. I can take it right so I found that very interesting (laughs) well and you know what's so interesting to me too about your dad wanting to join in on the conversation because as we've explored before in the podcast the dynamic between 
your, you and your dad as, as yeah. a daughter, as his daughter, rather than a son, you know, we talked about yeah. in the exploration that we've had before and, and, but it's almost, I mean, I think too, he just, I feel like he really takes a lot of pride in, in you. Yeah. I mean, it's great because, you know, as a kid, I'm very happy that my parents take pride in me. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully let's hope so. Let's <laughs> assume that's what's the narrative. They like. totally do. <laughs> I think but, so. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, it just kind of, it's interesting because all in a sudden, I, I feel like mom was put in a position where she is the reason she became kind of almost like a, not a tool, but a, like a, mm, she is the reason why the kid can be there. Like the means to the end, but the means to the end. But for some reason in my dad's answer, I don't see her. Mm. I see kid as a way to prove his masculinity, mm. to improve his responsibility. Mm-hmm. And my mom, good for her, she thinks it's a natural step. So it all works out. Right. But when a man try to prove his masculinity, other people have to comply. So yeah. Oh wow. Before my existence, you know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm the product that finally can can prove his masculinity. But I wonder, has he ever thought about how big of a change it is for my mom? Right. Again, good for my mom who think it's an actual step. Right. But what if the mom doesn't? Right. Exactly. That's huge because then you take it to a broader scope and, and just thinking about this, like how much of our lives, our roles and responsibilities as women are dedicated to continuously supporting the endeavors yeah. of a man in yes. all aspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's almost like having the wife is also a part to prove your masculinity. Right. There's nothing wrong about it, right? Because no. it, it could work out perfectly fine. Right. In fact, it is because he want to prove it. A good man, a responsible individual, not only a man, you know, a responsible individual, you should take caring for other people as a sign to prove your masculinity. That's a sign of response, being responsible. Right. But while we are doing whole, like trying to prove you're a responsible individual, is there something that's missing? I think what I'm missing from the conversation was that I, again, we didn't talk to all the, all the women's husbands, but yeah. um, I wonder how do they perceive how the husband or like my dad perceive the changes in my mom's life before I was born or like, mm. you know, have they yes. ever thought about it? Because yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> Right. You know, it's so funny that you say that because literally just the other day, my husband and I were just driving and, um, you know, like, I mean, our, we're thinking in that direction of starting a family, like not immediately. I am not ready for that at this moment in time, but there seems to be like a real big push, not like a push where I'm, you know, but it's like, Oh, like when, when do you think, or when that's the conversations we're having right now. And, um, 
I kind of just turned to him and I said, who has to carry the baby? Yeah. Me. Who has to potentially put, who has to literally put their job and career on hold, at least for some amount of time to literally recover from a traumatic experience to your body? Not you, me. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's exactly that. It's like, like, is there a consideration for what mothers have to, or we as women will or have had to go through in order to, you know, obviously we like, I've always known I've, I've wanted kids, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, is there a thought? I I think also one thing that just totally drives me nuts is I don't know if you ever paid attention much, but with the Royal family in Britain, for example, Oh my God. Yes. Every time somebody has a kid in the Royal family, what happens the very, if not the same day, but the very next day, they pop that mom right out of the hospital, do her makeup, put her in a perfect outfit. Like no mention that there is definitely a diaper under her dress at that moment in time. Cause you're not supposed to be like up and walking at that moment, but the whole idea of it is to make it look so easy and boom, she's great. No regard for for what she literally just went through and how much energy it probably took for her to come out and stand on that step, which is why, for example, when Meghan Markle did things differently, that was a huge applaud in my mind because she's speaking to the fact that this is not easy. No, I do not want to see anybody right after. I need to be laying down. And But I think those examples that have been made on a global scale all around and in day-to-day life kind of take away yeah. the consideration for what it, it really takes. does. It yeah. really does. I think I agree. And I think, you know, it's so interesting because before a mom give birth to her child, she can have uh, the, the, the husband or like other family members still cares about her personal feelings. But mm-hmm. a lot of the time after she gave birth to the child, like attention shifted, which reasonably speaking you know there's a tension shift but it but it almost seems like a mom should feel guilty about complaining because everyone has already been caring about you you know like the general kind there's a type of a voice is like oh like what are you complaining about because um everyone is paying attention to you but Mm -hmm. the you it's a you with a baby not you as an individual it's like a you who gave birth to the child and like who proved to make a contribution to the family i i I don't know if i can very precisely carve what i want to say but i just find it interesting that um there is definitely a mentality shift and um uh and I understand why some mothers can feel lonely. And yeah. again, my mom doesn't, my mom, she's, you know, more like a, like a pretty outgoing and like doesn't overthink things. That's mm-hmm. type of her uh, personality. But I just listening to the conversation just really makes me feel, wow. Well, do we, well, good for her that she doesn't think much, which makes thinking overthinking well, overthinking is the original scene, but what if, you know, tough luck, buddy, like your, your wife overthinks, you know, like then that's <laughs> kind of suck. Right. Yeah. You know, I always think about what you were saying too, like about 
what you were saying about, about moms. And when there's a baby in the picture, it's like, it almost feels like, and I, I am halfway dreading this. Maybe my mind will change when I get there in a few years, but I just think about that moment. The first time someone meets my future child and what that looks like. They're like all like overjoyed about the baby. And I just feel like it's going to be the situation. Maybe this is terrible of me to think, but I just feel like the baby is going to be center of attention when likely in that moment, it's like the baby's fine. The baby's yeah. got it. All it has to do is literally eat and poop and go to sleep. Yeah. And that's all it yeah. has to do when maybe I will likely be like sitting in a corner, like feeling super emotional and then nothing at all, all at once. And then yeah. feeling like totally like I'm not in the right body that I should be in, or I'm like just in this very messy, crazy state. And it's like, it makes so much sense when moms spin down into the spiral right after. And they're just, cause it's like, what about them? Is anybody asking them how they are? Like yeah. who care? You know, it's not who cares about the baby, but it's like, they just literally went through a major traumatic experience. It's not that hard. A baby doesn't ask much. Like you said, yeah. it, it will be fine. You know? And um, I think sometimes people over, sometimes people overestimate some people, some people underestimate, a woman's capacity to 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 produce another human being but sometimes people overestimate women when they became mom mothers yeah because it's not like you're a mother and then all in a sudden you're like this great like this this holy thing that has no self-emotion that's like (laughs) it's like all in a sudden you're becoming this altruistic figure that you're of course like you're the maria you know what i mean but it's not like it's a human being as well and in fact it it requires more care than ever Mm -hmm. so that i found very interesting but going back to our own family what was your grandma like like what's your mom like was her perception of becoming a mom before she became a mom yeah so i asked her um I asked her, you know, what was it like being your mother's daughter and what did you take and what did you leave? You know, um, that question. And I think one thing, which I've definitely, I definitely, um, heard from my mom before is that her mom did not, um, offer a lot of time or support towards her maybe in different ways, but Mm -hmm. like, my grandma, she didn't really show up to like the sporting events or things like that. And this, I think what it has to do with is like a time period thing, like the period of time that they were living in at the time. Mm -hmm. Also, my grandma was literally the daughter of immigrants who came to this country at literally 19 years old, had no idea what, you know, how they were just doing what they needed to do to survive. And there wasn't much money in the picture. And like my, my great grandmother, I've shared this before. Like she literally came to Oregon with a sack of oranges. And that's literally it. She had nothing else, rode the train by herself at 19, had no idea who she was meeting there. Nothing like she's supposed to meet her dad and her brother. They just weren't there. So there was like this whole, I think the survival mode to it all. And so when my grandma had children, you know, I think she was very much in this, like, she was in a hustle phase of her life where mm-hmm. if she was able to make money, she was going to go do that, 
you know? And so my mom brings up in the conversation too, when I talked with her that, um, my mom wasn't, my grandma wasn't really there for like her sporting events or she wasn't really, you know, there for those kinds of things. And that wasn't really like forefront for my grandma. And also one thing that my mom said as well was that she really, when she became a mom, she really wanted to make sure, or when she thought about becoming a mom, she really wanted to make sure that I think that's also where it comes from with putting us before everything else. She wanted to make sure that we had what we wanted because I think that she didn't always have that when she was growing up. Like she even mentioned, like if there was something like cool and popular at school, like I wanted to make sure you guys had it too, so that you would fit in or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that came from a deeply personal place for her. On the other hand, though, my grandma, my mom's side, like she's a total party animal. Like she, (laughs) she is like, she, she is something else. Like even to this day, like she's always moving. She's in her, she's like in her late eighties and she is always doing things. She cannot sit still. Like she has to go to her tap class. She has to go to exercise class. She has to, she's doing all these things. She never misses a good party. And she's also really back in the day was really good at planning them too. So my mom said the thing that she took was, you know, making things special and celebrating. Yeah. Um, the That's moments good. in life, but yeah, yeah. your grandma yeah. sounds fun. She is fun. She's, she's something else. Um, but yeah, did you, what, what though with your, I'm interested and curious to know, did you ask your mom that question? And yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely did. It was so interesting seeing our grandparents generation, how different that was. Um, yeah. Right. It's so weird. I think the first observation I made when I asked this question for my mom and dad, the difference is my mom put herself in the position as a daughter, but my dad put himself out of the conversation as an observer. So he didn't answer it as a son. He answered it as someone who observes the situation, which I think it taps into a little bit of, he's, he has like this very weird relations with his mom i mean they're close but they're also very not so i don't mm-hmm. know what their kind of relationship is because all of my paternal grandma's affairs were managed by my mom so my mm-hmm. mom is kind of like this whole like you know um uh chef of staff <laughs> for everyone <laughs> in my paternal grandma's house uh so it's interesting dynamic and so my dad i i fully believe that he didn't answer the question like what was it like being a son of him right he just said what it was like like what my grandma is like so that is interesting and the second observation I had was uh, um my mom okay not observation but more like an answer to the question so my grandma my, my, my mom's mom she was very career focused so it's the similar as your paternal grandma. It's like she didn't spend much time with her children. And yeah. it's not like she cared. <laughs> I mean, she cared, of course, but it's she had a she had her hobby. And when she liked something, she did it like over the top. So yeah. she liked kneading. So she would need nonstop and then people who are around her will benefit it. But she hated doing housework. So mm-hmm. my pater- my maternal grandpa had to do it where it became the center of the debate 
or the center of like, you know, fight. So my mom grew up in this situation where her parents always fight, and she didn't see her mom that often. So for her, she believed that women should stay at home more, do the mom's job,、mm. because that's what she wanted. That's what she want from like a traditional mom. So in in some sense, I guess my maternal grandma wasn't that typical of a woman. Right, she was kind of on her own, her own trajectory, on her own、yes. beating her own drum. Exactly,、And、that makes total sense because when we've talked about. Like for example, the role of your mother in your household、yeah. growing up—that makes total sense—and and why she was so comfortable, you know, yeah, being the way that she was because she probably like, it makes sense now. She was carrying what she was carrying from what she observed between her parents. Yes, exactly, and and I think she wanted to be the mom that she didn't get to have, which is the mom that does the conventional mothers. Work to make some sacrifice for the family because I believe that's what she wanted her mom to do when she was younger. So、right. I think it's not that deep. Sometimes maybe I I make it really deep, like oh you know she is living by this、um, social standard of what being a mom was like, but maybe、right. she was just trying to live up to an ideal mom, like her own、mind. expectations. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and remind me too. Did your mom stay? Your mom stayed home with you, right? And yeah, raised well, you, or how? Yeah, what did、of. that look like?、Uh, my mom was、uh, she. So she was from this textile family,、mm-hmm. and、uh, my grandma, grandpa,、uh, my great grandpa stayed in France for two decades. Actually,、wow. so he studied like fabric and all that kind of stuff, clothes. Couture,、wow. um, but then when it came down to my grandma, who's his daughter, you know, she was born into this, so she was everyone knew her as like the professor's daughter, right? Because、mm. your dad is, but they were also very much targeted in the Cultural Revolution. But like as a textile person, she she did a chemical like chemistry. She studied chemistry because in the fabric、um, industry. You there were a lot of like chemistry, I guess, like you know, color sense, yeah, like the like dyes, color, and... the dyes, and then how to make the dyes and how to preserve the dyes. Not only just from human clothes, but just fabric in general. So that's what、right. my grandma does. And、wow. uh, for my mom, she studied、um, textile, but she ended up doing exporting import. Mm. So she did like trade, and she was working for this like、uh, exporting importing company. So she was really good at what she was doing because her industry is very specific. It was a very、um, niche, not niche, but、um, you know, it's very specific、um, people that they were asking for.、Right. So she was really good with her job, and、um, she was working a lot. In fact, that when I asked her what she regretted. Um, in one of our last questions, she 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 wished she she stayed with me more when I was younger. Really, like maybe start traveling,、uh, or going business when I'm older. Because、mm. when I was younger, I really needed her.、Um, but she would go on these huge like exporting importing conventions for like a month, like two months, three months, and something like that. So when I was younger, it really killed me.、Uh, but I didn't. For, but now, like I, I don't care now. But when I was younger, like she, I think she saw this, and then she just wished she could stay at home more. She decided、yeah. to stay home after like the company went bankrupt, and then she just had her own 
client, but now she just kind of stayed at home after since then. So it's uh, yeah. So that's kind of her journey, and I think she started staying home when I was like in elementary school, transitioning into middle school. That was also、uh, as like a crucial time to, to for student for kids. Totally. So, Um, that's when she stayed, and I formed this really close relations with a lot of nannies that I had when I was younger, because I just wish that my mom were that was there were there. But like now, I really, just, yeah. I mean, I think it makes so much more sense if you go on business if you start doing human like real business work when kids are younger, because I think when kids are older, because kids can also learn so much from that. Yeah,、um, but when they're younger, I guess it makes sense for the sacrifice. Actually, yeah, it's it's a tough, like that's a really tough balance to strike. Because at the same time, when you're younger and your kids younger, you're wanting to make some big moves in your career and continue on that upward trajectory to be able to support、yeah. your family and your child. But at the same time, there is a little bit of a trade off there where you don't get to see your child as often and. You do miss out on those earlier years sometimes.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that was so, what happened.、Yeah. I remember when I was younger, like when I had my first tooth came out. I like she wasn't there, and、oh. I was so happy. I was like, oh, to show her, and then、oh. I. But that, at that time, there was no like videos.、So、I just had to like call her and be like, "That's the biggest thing happened in my day." <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> like, goodness. You know, but I really just—I remember—I just wish you were there because that was like special in some、yeah. ways. But、um, there wasn't much going on in the kids' life, honestly. But、mm-hmm. <laughs> but when but things you- happened, I guess like I—I wish you were there. But when I was older, though, I wish she was—I wish she did more. When I was older,、yeah. I wish that you know she's a businessman. I like I hope that she can set up an example.、Mm. So it's interesting. It's a hard balance to strike. It totally is, and I totally get what you're saying. Like, at, at, when you're older, you want something to aspire to and look、yeah. up to. When you're younger, you don't really understand what that is at that moment. You just you're you know like what you said. Like, there are big things happening all day though when you're younger because everything is a big thing. You yeah,、know? exactly. <laughs> Like Diana said, remembering that episode, she said that for kids, every day is different,、yeah. and for them, everything is already changing every day. Maybe not for adult, it's pretty dull and boring, but for kids, it's so different every day. Every day, and it's probably just for them, like for the sake of them experiencing all these changes, it's probably better to move less. That's what she said. I mean,、yeah. like, kind of the general idea of it. Right,、so、that makes sense, you know. Oh, totally. It totally makes sense because you don't want to add more change on top of already extreme change, you know. Yeah, and another thing that I realized was I had tough ass grandmas.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My grandma、uh, on my mom's side passed away two years, three years ago,、yeah. and my dad's mom is still there, last man standing. Going on strong, and、oh, she,、that. however, though it's like I mean, she went through a lot, right? She was born into this like really、um, rich family, and she, but then went through the land reform, and everything was taken away. Everyone was killed in her family,、mm. but then she studied to become like a professor, and I think she 
based on my dad's um observation towards her was that she's really really odd she's just like very com commercial person because she everything that she has done it's like a proof for her well that 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 i get because my, my dad probably got some of that from her but like everything she did was a proof to the world that she could do it because right. when she was younger she experienced too much of the world beating her down you know the society mm. beating her down for no reason just because of the things that she couldn't change mm-hmm. so no matter it was like having kids or having son or having good successful sons for her it's very much for um like a demonstration on her side so i think that's also why my dad feel a little bit like a byproduct on her mm. way to prove her achievement, I think. So that's interesting. Yeah, maybe that's why that's why there's almost that like slight disconnect too, like you were describing earlier when you were asking him about what it was like to be his mother's son, where he was taking answering with more of an observation than Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. You know, I'm really curious because I feel like I mean, we, we know this, but I think that this conversation is a true testament to the fact that every generation in a family mm-hmm. is always trying to fulfill the needs of themselves from that the previous generation didn't meet or yeah, do, it's like this flip flop. It's like, oh, my mom, my mom didn't do this. So I made sure to do this for you guys. And then, but still there's like there'll be things, you know, for you and I that our moms thought, you know, they were fulfilling what they needed. Like your mom was fulfilling what she wanted to give you and your family based off of what she witnessed when she was younger. And my mom, same thing on her side. And I wonder now, like we're having this, this conversation very consciously before either of us even have children. What do you think will be the thing that you want to emphasize for yourself as a mother, or is there something that you're very aware of that you want to make sure and carry over into like, into your, I don't know, the, the way your philosophy as a mother, I guess you could say, Mm. if you do decide to have children. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think the decision of being a mother, I think it's easier not to be a mother. Yeah. But as we say, we can do hard things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know. Um, I never really, I just think sometimes when I try to find an easier way out, uh, I think what I learned from my parents is that they truly wanted me to be happy, which is very different from what their parents wanted them to be. I think yeah. they were from a generation where their parents wanted them to be, I don't even know, do they want them to be successful or do they want to be what? It almost sounds like the grandparents' characteristics are so strong that kind of overpowering what my parents are. Um, so I think for my parents, they truly wanted me to be happy. And I know that, which I was, you know, very lucky. Um I am very lucky, but I think for me being a parent, uh, I don't know. I think it's a hard question. I think one thing I can, I can 
offer is to be a kid again, like what yeah. Jenny said, because I think that's such a valuable thing that when I was younger, maybe also because my parents had me when they're older. But I think one valuable thing that parents can give their children, or I want to be a parent to my children, is I want them to know they are not alone. Yeah. Maybe if I have more children, more than one, kids wouldn't feel that way. But I just feel like sometimes I see when I was younger, I saw my parents as this perfect people, where、mm. they tackle a lot of difficulties in life and then becoming this almost out of touch. Out of touch figures,、um, and a lot of struggles that I had when I was younger, I wouldn't even dare to talk to them because I would just assume that they don't even have that problem, or they just think that's like a stupid thing.、Right. But slowly, I I realize that they are also human being,、um, which is great. But also, I just wish when I was younger, I I asked or I expressed that feeling more. And I hope I wish I had that environment where I will feel safe or feel, you know, like my parents are will understand me. I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know even if my kid will understand. Like if I would understand my kids, will probably won't. But it's more so like, even though I know that the kids' world will be so different from the world that I live in, I want、mm-hmm. them to know that I would bow down to be there. Not best friends because never best friends. I know that's unlikely, but someone that they can trust. That's right.、It. Yeah, someone that they can come to. Yeah, no matter what. And I think it's really that expression of vulnerability, like showing up as you are, and not trying to put on an image for your kid.、Yeah. Not saying that your parents did that in any way, or anybody's parents did that in any way. But I feel like what you're really speaking to is is being is fully showing your humanness to your child. I agree. That's such a good summary. Actually, I think that is what it is. I think my parents,、um, you kind of have to put on a strong face because、mm-hmm. you want your children to to know that you're a reliable person, a figure. I understand why they do it, but what I want more is how to be vulnerable and strong at the same time. Yeah. Yes, I love that so much. It's like, like be a person, but also can tackle difficulties. Right, right, and allowing your child to witness that, whatever that looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's huge. I definitely think about that a lot.、Um, just because, also in that, you're teaching your kid. I mean, you're teaching your kid how to. You're giving them almost a blueprint. I mean, parenting never、yeah. comes with a blueprint, but you're giving them a blueprint by modeling. And not modeling in a way it's like, oh, this is the perfect way, and this is how you should do things, and I'm so perfect, and look at me. It's more of like a very raw human model of like,、yeah. I don't know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing as a human here, but I'm just gonna show up and give it the best that I can. I'm gonna be brave about it. I'm gonna be vulnerable with you, and we're gonna figure this out together, <laughs> you know, because we're all on this journey. It's just, it's interesting. But yeah, and I, you know what, I also realized is that I'm asking for a lot because、yeah. I think it might be easier to just put on a stronger appearance and then just let the day go by. Because 
I saw people who have parents who literally couldn't handle the situation. Not only you see them melting down, they're actually melting down. They're not responsible. <laughs> not that、yeah. they want to tell you their vulnerability, but because they just couldn't handle it as a real adult. Yes, there's、um, definitely a difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think you know. <laughs> It is asking a lot, and I think it's rare for people to do it. I can only say that's what I aspire to be. Yeah. And but between losing my shit and <laughs> putting on a strong face, I think that's what my parents were trying to choose. Sure. Not like <laughs> being vulnerable and strong and putting on a strong face. I I think I think um if you can choose, you would definitely go for the vulnerability and strong. Right. But I guess for the most of the time,、uh, you really just couldn't. <laughs> right. So, no, so, there、yeah. is something to be said for not like literally just flipping a table, like you know. Every- yeah. <laughs> Because there are moments when we all want to do that, where we just kind of like lose our lid a little bit. But I think it also is important to not model that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely.、So、you definitely have a good point there. I guess、yeah. too. I'm interested. Do you feel after your conversation with not only your mom but also your dad, do you feel like there was another part of yourself revealed to you after that conversation? No, <laughs> yeah. I thought about that for myself too, and it kind of just reiterated the things I already knew. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> not really. I think that's one successful thing about asking them the question because they're really focused on themselves. Yeah, and I think that's something that you can get asked. When kids are older, you know that's such a good conversation to have because when kids are older, when kids are younger, everything is about them, and that could get very overwhelming. When I was younger, the last thing I wanted was attention. That sounds so spoiled, but really though, like I don't want my mom telling me, "Oh, I did everything for you," you know, because as a kid, I、yes. literally couldn't take it. No,、um, it's a lot of weight to bear. It is a lot of weight. And when I was older, though, like I'm just glad to see when I ask a question about them, they can give me an answer about. Themselves, so that、yes. is really reassuring, right?、Um, and、uh, no, I don't, I don't learn anything new about me.、Uh, mm-hmm. But I did learn. I mean, I, I knew that before because I had similar conversation with my mom beforehand. But I did learn that she was a lot like me when she was younger.、Mm. Um, she did not like kids at all.、Mm. Hated to say the least. <laughs> not that she never thought, like, not that hatred prevented her from going to the motherhood. Because again, for her, it's a personal. Like,、yeah. her dislikeness about kids were different from her becoming a mother. But she just felt like all in a sudden, she didn't. Um, she she started liking it after she had me, because she sees everyone else's kids as her as her kids. It's because like she started investing in this group of human beings that、right. had nothing to do with her before, so、um, so I think that she t- she told me that was one thing that has changed, and also、uh, all in a sudden she became a, such a like a milder person because her tolerance went up. She said before though, like if she got really mad at work, she couldn't contain contain that madness. But when she had a kid, when she went home, she realized this kid, especially when this kid became a full human, right? All this kid knew was just eating and sleeping and pooping. That was it. So、right. you went home and you 
face you're facing this basically an animal um, <laughs> that you have to keep alive. That's what she said. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She said that's basically like a pet at that point. It basically is. I mean, yeah. seriously, I really don't yeah. think there's much difference between my dog and a baby. Like no. it's pretty straightforward, you know? Yeah. Especially when they were younger. And, but the best, yeah. the better part about baby is like they change so fast. So yeah. it's kind of reassuring. It's kind of right. fun. It's right? fun like, to it's, watch. They're, they're animals and then they're also kind of human. And that just tamed her down so much because she wouldn't go home to face this thing like a, like a mood lifter. So yeah. she said that's, that's like a lot has changed and, um, for her after she became a mom. I love that perspective because it really does raise the threshold for your tolerance. And you start, I think the other part of it too, is you really start to realize what matters and how simple everything truly is. You know, I think a lot of the time we walk around and we overcomplicate things a lot. And we think, we think things matter that really don't. And I think it's a really big perspective shifter too. Like, and, and I also too, i I think this is important to note too. If like, I think it's also important to note in this conversation that if you don't want to be a mom, that is good. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to get that. This is not the only place you can get your perspective shift. You can be an auntie too and still get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, cause I think that's important too. When we talk about motherhood, it's like, especially in this day and age too, if that's not, if that's not the camp you want to be in, that's, that's not an obligation. You know, that's the biggest thing you can do to contribute to the uh, decreasing greenhouse gas emission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Be in so the anti camp. Yeah. You know, it's interesting also because I uh, my parents were talking about supporting system and mm. they said I was just saying, because I share a lot of articles about, you know, how much pressure it is to have children, how expensive it is, like how your life quality is going to decrease. And they Mm -hmm. used to think that it wasn't true. They used to think that, you know, it's just, it's going to be fine and all that kind of stuff. But now I think they see the urgency, like the world is on fire. It's getting more expensive. And like they started learning about that perspective and i think that is one big thing a parents could do is to think about future questions on be on the from their children's standpoint and they were saying that you know one thing they did not agree my parents didn't agree is that for now for right now a lot of young young people in china they give birth to children because of their grandparents because they want to show their parents not show but because they want their parents to take care of the children Oh, I see. Yeah, because a lot of like for a lot of especially wealthier 20 something, 30 something, they would their parents would always like bug them to have a kid. And it's almost like completing a task and they would have a kid and then just throw the kid to the grandparents. And then the grandparents will just like almost like find another thing to do in their life and like be grandparents. Mm -hmm. That's what my parents didn't agree because with that with that because they said that is very irresponsible and that took away everything about the fact of being a parent because being a parent should be about you as a person should be involved yeah yeah it should be about like you um 
it's another stage of your life, and that's what my parents, when they decided to become parents, they are ready to step into this next stage of their life. Before a lot of the young parents right now, it's clear that they're not ready, and they throw that responsibility away to their parents. And my parents believe that's just very unhealthy. So they believe that just, you know, don't have kids if you're not ready. Yeah, you know that's. I think that's huge because I think in my own family there's this idea that like we will have kids and then his parents will really want to be like taking care of them and being super involved. They're just super ready to be grandparents, which. I totally want that. I want their presence in my kids' lives, but I don't want their presence in my kids' life to the extent that I'm absent from my kids' life. That's something that I could never stomach. I never want to be in the situation where I'm not around. And it's nothing to say about the grandparents. It's everything to do with like, I want to be involved too. And I feel like sometimes like culturally there's this expectation that there will be a kid that is born and then there will be a pass off. You know what I mean? And it's, yes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that. You know what I mean? I I totally get that. And I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up with my grandparents and like, I don't have a close Mm. relationship with my grandparents. And that's a cautious decision that my parents made. They told me that before they gave birth to me, they decided not to like let me grow up with my grandparents which is kind of harsh actually looking back but um but there was some merit to it in a way that I I'm yeah so because my parents grew up with their grandparents and they they didn't like it so I guess I don't know I mean again a little help is great but my parents were basically like don't rely on that yeah not like a full takeover (laughs) it's it's not it's not gonna be like that yeah Uh, we we need to have our life and also that's another stage for them to enjoy right like it's when they become grandparents they should enjoy being have a kid to play around like have a dog to play around but not taking the responsibility yeah um yeah like my dad always says like yeah he's looking forward to being a grandparent in the sense that he's like it's like I get all the fun parts of it, but yeah. when like when the kid like poops their pants, I just hand them back to you and it's your job. Exactly. He's like, that's you know, what he's like that too, yeah. Yeah, that's my dad's view. He's like, well, he's like I'm just excited I get to do the fun parts and none of the nasty parts. And you know, and like you too, I really did not spend I mean, my grandparents would visit us and visit my parents, you know, like my grandparents from Montana and then my grandparents um you know, locally would also visit and hang out, but very rarely was I ever just solely under the care of either set of my grandparents. And I've actually developed my relationships with my grandparents at this stage in my life where yeah. when I'm older. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I never really had that experience of like, oh, I'm going no. to grandma's after school. I no, never, never. Yeah. never had that ever. Yeah. Never. Yeah. So that's interesting. I guess mine is very abnormal, actually, because I know a lot of Chinese family do that. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were also in a better financial state than where they are now, but uh, that could also contribute to part of the reason. Um, because again, like 
their parents would be free help, you know. But a lot of hassle、yeah. in terms of differences, headache, and all that kind of stuff. But it is like more financially feasible. But for my、right. parents, they were just saying at that point they didn't care,、um, right? Money wise,、mm-hmm. now they do. Now they understand why. But before they really didn't. So right. Um, that was that. But yeah, that is that is interesting. Was there anything that your parents regretted? I didn't really get an answer about that, as far as anything that she would do differently. You know,、um, I don't think she really had like a clear answer. I think the only thing she said is she would, she wished she would have been less stressed. Yeah, she felt like that came from her doing it all and having to do it all. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think about that, and I think to myself, like that's just another outcome of the intensive motherhood, like yeah, that that concept of, you know, like why did she feel like she had to do it all, and then what did that result in, and like her being stressed out was that the best scenario for my sisters and I, you know, most of the time, no, like that was、mm-hmm. not like I would I would say that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's one of the things. I think, I think too. My mom has arrived at a place in her life where she looks at things more simply now. Like, yeah, she doesn't get so worked up and overwhelmed over the little things like she used to. That's you、good. know. But I also think too, like, on to flip it on a positive side. Like, I think she did get worked up about the little things because she cared so much. You know. Yeah, it's it's almost physical. It's you can't help. Right, right, exactly. It triggers you. It triggers you. You might just not react it, but you still get triggered pretty easily if、yeah. that's what you get triggered on.、Mm-hmm. Um, on the contrary, my parents had so many things to regret it. Really?、Uh, yeah, so many. Oh my goodness!、I、start with my mom. Um, first of all, wouldn't travel too much when I was younger. Um, like we said previously. Second,、um, my eyes because when I was younger,、uh, I, my eyes were really bad, and then I was scared of going to the eye doctor, and then、Aww. I wouldn't go to the eye doctor, and then my mom because I wouldn't want to go to the eye doctor because my mom freaked out about the eye doctor. She didn't want to. She got so freaked out and she lost everything when she knew that my eyes were getting worse.、Uh, so I started getting. Scared, and then when I couldn't see things, I pretended that I could, and then my eyes got worse. And now、mm. your girl has a negative nine point five. So oh、um, oh, so she said that you know, like if she was she she was more brave in terms of facing, just be more scientific. I think、yeah. that would be wouldn't be this bad today, but who knows? Maybe it will still be that bad. You know, so it's、yeah. it's hard to say. And、um, another thing that she was、uh, regretted is that、uh, she didn't feed me very、uh, nutritiously because at that time people believe the fatter a kid is, the healthier a kid is. But、oh. but it wasn't the case. I was an obese child, and then she she just believed that going if if she could do it all over again, like a scientific way of like feeding a kid was a big was a big.、Um, Be something that she done,、hmm. and going on to my dad.、Um, I feel like it's almost talking about all of the all of the disadvantages. Where like, what am I not good at? <laughs>、yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, my dad said、uh, he wish he could、um, ask me to take a mental math class when I was、oh. really young, before the start of my elementary school,、hmm. because. 
that would give me so much edge at the young age because I was severely scarred. Like until today, I was scared about numbers. It's not like it's not because I'm not good at it. It's because I was very much hurted by my elementary school math teacher. Oh. And also middle school math teacher. Like they were super mean. They were the worst people. I'm sorry, but like they're really bad. So that created a scare like that I think I need to go to, I don't know, a therapist to deal with. It's not because I can physically go through that. Right. So he believed that if I started math a little earlier, then it wouldn't be that scary for me going into elementary school and I wouldn't be hurt by the teacher very easily and be bad at math forever just because I'm not good at it because people have fear towards things they're not good at very simply it's a natural reaction but it's another thing I'm having difficulty conquering it and that all goes back to the fact that I was hurted when I was really young so if I could you know develop that when I was younger which I agree um it would be better yeah yeah I get that though. Like terrifying math experiences when we're younger is like, they're literally the worst. I mean, I still to this day, like I have this story in my mind that I cannot do mental math. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I probably can, but that story like talks me out of like, you know, just doing it in my head on a receipt for dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode on like math trauma. I feel (laughs) There's really not much like I'm I'm traumatized and then I'm bad at it. And I do believe people who are good at math and good at languages, like, because you know what is really funny is because I have this sense that developed from school, which is really wrong, that people who are good at math wouldn't be good at liberal arts. But I think deep down, my dad believes it's not true. I think deep down, my dad believes that if I could start earlier in math and do it in a more scientific way, there shouldn't be that big of a difference between math and liberal art. Mm, that's huge. Because yeah. you don't hear people talking about it like that at all. But I totally see what he what he means by that. Yeah, because, because my yeah, you say, Oh, go ahead. No, because my impression was, oh, if you're good at math, you're like bad at English or Chinese. Right. But I think for him, he never sees it as a as a zero sum game. So I think yeah. that's pretty refreshing, actually. Right. And well, think about, you know, think about kids who were good at math and then they before they even got to languages or writing, they mm-hmm. thought that that's how the equation pans out. So mm-hmm. then they walked into learning language and and writing and all of that going into that with the mindset that, oh, I'm good at math, so I won't be good at these things. You know, like that's, yeah, that can be so, it's like a story that isn't actually true if we don't Mm -hmm. tell it, you know? I mean, maybe scientifically there is a correlations, you know, one is good, one is definitely worse, Mm -hmm. but I think not, not having that mentality feeding into me when I was that young would help me so much. Yeah. And to be honest, the smartest people I've seen today are the people who are good at both. Like, Mm -hmm. really, I I, I do believe so. So, But Mm -hmm. there could be a chance. I'm just saying that, you know, what he regretted is that there could be a chance that that kind of person could be me. But I just kind of sucked that I I got hurt because a stupid elementary school teacher. Yeah, Um, that's awful. So that was a regret. And I uh, 
that <laughs> can regret it. That's my regret of asking that question. But <laughs> was there anything else that he regretted, or was that the biggest? No, thing for just him? math. That's the biggest thing for him. Can you imagine? Like when you ask someone, that's like the biggest regret that he ever had. Math. I was like, oh my god. I'm not gonna man like became something that you forever I was like I can learn it now truth is I really can't um, <laughs> oh my goodness but honestly I wish though like I, I could be so much like quote-unquote smarter I don't know that concludes our motherhood series um I'm gonna know on my dad regretting on my poor math ability <laughs> um hey, it's okay I don't I don't have a good math ability either <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I still, I still respect people who can do good math up until today, yeah. which is kind of sick. But, <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Yeah. That is the best. Well, I, yeah. I've just so enjoyed this series and this season. Like you said, it was kind of like a really relaxing journey to go through at the same time. Like there was just so many, I think it really just brought a nice perspective and gave us a nice lens on life yeah. in general, you know? And I think yeah. like my, my biggest takeaways overall is like, it is a lot more simple than we think it is. And there's, I agree. I like that. Yeah. Let's like the title of the episode is a lot simpler than we thought. Yeah. Like just, yes, exactly. And that's just not, that doesn't apply to, and I'm not, I'm not glossing over the fact that motherhood is extremely hard. I'm saying in the sense that things are simpler. Life is simpler. Yes. Then we think it, then we make it so much more complicated than it is, you know? Yes. And I this, agree. Yeah. And this series just really drove it home. I think this series also really echoed our conversations that we had previously about the patriarchy and, and all of yeah. that and the system in which we, live and breathe and operate in as women and making us question and consider why we do the things that we do in our lives or why we make the choices that we make. Are they really our choices? Are they really? And I think with that comes a sense of empowerment, you know? Yeah. And then I think the other, I think both of those takeaways really do hit on both Diana's episode and Dr. Martin's episode, but also I love my big takeaway from Jenny's episode is I just love how she talks about how it's a second chance yeah, to be a kid again. And yeah. what a gift, you know what I mean? It really is. It truly is a gift like for us to be able to, to go back and be a kid again and see the world. I mean, the world, especially right now, you know, is such a scary place. There's so many big, terrifying, heartbreaking things going on. Yeah. And at the same time, to be able to view the world and have that, I wouldn't say it's like turning a blind eye to what's going on, but be able to look at the world through that innocent lens. Yes. And it hits back to that simplicity of things. Kids look at that's things such a very differently. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so good because I really think that, you know, the original title of the podcast is the spark. And then we definitely went down to this downward spiral where we overthink things and then try to create conversation but then mm -hmm. the read that everything really just started with this spark and it's so simple yeah. and i think you know what i learned though we we we, we definitely interviewed overthinker right we interview overthinker who who's overthinking this have created have established became their career writing a book or starting a channel right like diana like she she literally listed out excel sheet 
um, yes, to, yes. To, to analyzing different choices in life. But there's also Jenny who just did it. Just yeah. did it. You don't overthink it. Right? And I think sometimes there's a good balance of both. And, right. um, and if I really have to choose before, I would say I would overthink it. But now I really, I think I would go just, just do it. And right. then reply afterwards, like react afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we're going to become mothers tomorrow, but I think it's just good to a reminder that it's much simpler than we thought it would be. Right. You know, and the other thing is too, is maybe you're listening and you don't, you have no intention of being a mother. I think it's very important or maybe you're a guy and you're listening to yeah. this and you literally are not going to be a mother, but you may be a father or you may not be a father at all. I think the takeaways from this season and from this series go beyond like what we originally started it for goes beyond yeah. motherhood. I mean, all of us have a connection to motherhood because that's how we got here, you know? Yeah. So even at the end of the day, if it, if it offers you a lens into motherhood in general, because you're going to be a mother, you want to be a mother, or if it offers you a lens into what your own mother might have experienced, you know, or maybe it just offers you a different perspective on life and, and is able to bring you that looking at the world through that lens of a child or that simplicity, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Thanks so much for staying with me doing this entire series. Um, yes. We interviewed another three amazing guests and beautiful stories, yes. beautiful children. Yeah, we will come back with more things very soon. Mm-hmm. And we're plotting some exciting new episodes and topics. And always feel free too, to reach out. Um, you can reach out via our website on our form or social media anywhere. There's an option to direct message us or even comment on a post of topics that you might be interested in having us explore. And also, if you know somebody that you think would be a really awesome guest on the spark, or maybe you're Ooh, somebody, talk to us. Yeah, talk to us. Or if you're somebody who wants to be on the spark, please do not be shy. We want to hear your story. That's literally our mission is to be able to elevate and share other stories. Amy and I, you know, we started this conversation with our own stories and we continued this conversation together and we're, it's just us today, but this, the spark exists to include you in the conversation. So if you Mm want to be a part of the conversation, just reach out. It's that simple. We would love to hear from you. And we always want to talk to new people and, and hear, hear what it's like in your corner of the world and, and behind, you know, your lens. Mm -hmm. So Reach out and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation. Connect with us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast and Facebook at the spark podcast with Megan Amy or send us an email at hello spark podcast at gmail.com. And wherever you may be listening from, we hope you have the courage to be the spark.